0: We come to this word of God this morning, and I want you to look at verse 34 and following and read along with me. It says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want us to pay particular attention to verse 34 because that's as far as we're going to get today. Y'all surprised? Anyway, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. I want to confess to you My greatest failure, and perhaps your greatest failure. Y'all ready for it? It's nothing scandalous, but it's called prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Prayerlessness can be defined as praying less than one should, less than Christ desires, and less than one himself knows he should. If we look at the Scripture, believing that's our foundation, prayerlessness really is a sin i don't know if y'all know that or not but it is and why do i say it because the scripture tells us from the lips of our master he says and he told them in a parable and this is luke 18 to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart so if we're not praying we're not obeying the command of our savior The Apostle Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Other places he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. And then he says, pray always. We are commanded to pray, yet we don't pray as we should. Now, if I'm speaking to you and you have that same failure, don't be discouraged, but be of good cheer. Because in the previous verses that we have read previously and have preached upon, previously, God's job is to conform you to the image of Christ. Notice what it says, verse 8, verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the first month. born among the brethren so what we know and understand then if jesus christ is in heaven seated at the right hand of the father and he is he is there interceding for us and therefore we need to perceive that christ's ministry to you now is one of prayer is one of prayer christ is praying for you because he is for you Remember in verse 31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we know that he is for us. Christ is for us. Christ is praying for us. And if we want to be like Christ, we all need to understand what Christ is doing now and to go and do, their like, go, go and do likewise. We are to be conformed to his image. He was an intercessor. We are to be intercessors. True. But I, I want you to understand this. Most of you probably have never heard a sermon on the intercession of Christ and what he is doing in heaven now. He's just not sitting at the right hand of the Father, watching out over us and enjoying his praises given to him by the angels and the saints dwelling in heaven. He has been given priestly duties in heaven as we speak. So we need to understand what he's doing now since he is for us. And once we understand what he is doing, then perhaps imitate him by interceding for others, becoming like Christ. Now, as we review this, we understand verses 31. This is now a review. Paul is giving us a review from chapter 1 to chapter 8 up into verse 31. He is telling us These are the things that happen to you. You have peace with God. You have justification. You have God's righteousness, Jesus' righteousness imputed to you. And so therefore we come to the crowning chapter, chapter 8. And he's saying in verse 31, there is no effective opposition towards us. If God is for us, who can be against us? There's no effective. People will oppose you. But guess what? God is not opposed to you. God is for you. And then we see in verse 33, there's no accusation against us that is ever going to stand. And then we see in this verse, there is no condemnation towards us because of the work of Christ. And so when we're looking and understanding what Christ is doing, let me lay a foundation for you. In the scriptures, we understand that the work of Christ falls in three general headings He is a prophet. He is a priest and he is a king. Prophet has been given to us and states, therefore, in that he's a prophet in the book of Luke. He tells us that people saw him as that role. And thus he was because he did issue forth prophecy. But we also see that he is a priest. And this is what we need to understand today for his ministry of intercession. The book of Hebrews states this in chapter 2. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So what is a priest? What is a priest? It is a man appointed to act for others in the things pertaining to God. That's what a priest is. So in the book of Leviticus, we're given a description of what a priest does. And what he would do is offer a bull as a burnt offering for himself and for the sins of the people on the day of atonement. He would sprinkle the blood of the bull that was sacrificed on the mercy seat within the Holy of Holies. You know that he had special vestments, holy vestments that were clean, had to be cleaned and before he went into the presence of God. One of the things he would also do is he would take a fire, a cauldron of fire with hot coals and he would sprinkle incense on it. And then when he sprinkled incense and bring it into the Holy of Holies, a cloud would come up before him, before the Lord, above the mercy seat and God himself would accept that wonderful sweet fragrance as an act of worship to him. That's why Paul says we are the fragrance of Christ, relating it back to the Levitical code. Now we understand this was done for the atonement, for atonement once a year, but the fire and the sacrifices, folks, if you think about it when you read through Leviticus, they would have to be lit or never went out every day, moment by moment, never extinguished, and sacrifices were given daily by the priest. And so God would smell the aroma of the incense, and he saw that this was that which caused people to worship, and he would take it in as a sacrifice unto him. We understand that he is a priest, and let me tell you the description now about Jesus. Hebrews goes on and says in chapter 8. Now, the point in what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Chapter 9, he says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Chapter 10 says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away the sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Exactly what Paul just said. Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made his footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Chapter 7. Hebrews says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did this for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Now, here's what I want you to understand. And I want you to put this pieces of the puzzle together. When the incense was burned before the Lord on a daily basis, it represented or symbolized... The constant prayers of Israel and the prayers of the high priest. We even find that in Revelation where prayers of the saints are mixed together with those of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was also the type of prayers. It was a type of the prayers of our high priest Jesus Christ. The sacrifice always came first and then the offering of the incense. What it was depicting is this, intercession was based upon the sacrifice and that intercession would not be effective unless there was a sacrifice. It would not be effective. So Jesus' prayers for his saints now are based on his sacrificial work for us. And I want you to notice the order that Paul states it. Go back to verse 34. In Romans 8, it says, who is to condemn? In other words, there's no one out there that can condemn us because we are in Christ Jesus. And he says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. There's the sacrifice. More than that was raised. And we understand what Paul says in Corinthians. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, our faith is in vain. Jesus is raised. That's what the emphasis he wanted to put on. Now is at the right hand of God who is interceding for us. So we had the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his blood, and now because he's in this position of authority, he's seated at the right hand of God, he comes in and offers to God prayers, intercessions for the people of God. It is that sweet aroma of the incense. It's his prayers that he's now offering for us continually. So what does that entail? What is the work of Jesus Christ now? What's he doing there in heaven? Well, well, basically, he's given representation. Of who? Us. He represents his death, his resurrection as our substitute before the Father. That's why John writes in, the, in 1 John, we have confidence on the day of judgment. In other words, we can stand confident before God when we die on the day of judgment, he says, because why? Jesus Christ has given us his righteousness. We are clothed in it. That's why we have this confidence. And he goes on to say, as he is, so are we in this world. So we have the the righteousness of Christ over us, and that is what Jesus represents to the Father for us as He's standing there as our high priest. What He's doing is basically saying this My intercession is permanent and it is perpetual because it's a reminder of the atonement that I have given for my own to satisfy the Father's requirements. And that turn his wrath away from us. Because we are in Christ, what happens is, is that when Satan comes and tries to accuse us, to accuse us of the brethren, Jesus is standing there as our representative, or sitting there at the right hand of the Father. And the Father sees that and sees that representative for us. Which leads us into the other thing, we have an advocate He stands side by side with us. He answers the accusation from the accuser of the brethren and points to his completed work. Folks, you don't understand how great that is because Satan is constantly accusing us before the Father. Jesus is there because he died and he rose again and he's seated. Goes to the Father, I've completed this work. No accusation is going to work against those who are in Christ Jesus. But not only that, we see literally a sanctification of our prayers. Here's one thing I want you to understand. Jesus, because He is in us and we are in Him, when we pray, these little immature, sometimes senseless sometimes crazy prayers, he sanctifies them for us. He is there as our intercessor because, as it said earlier, we don't know how to pray and the Spirit of God prays for us. Jesus also intercedes for us and he can sanctify those prayers for us and that's part of our gradual sanctification that as we become like Christ, we learn how to pray better More scripturally, more fully, more holy, but he's still there at the right hand of the Father, sanctifying those prayers for us because of what he has done for us on the cross and being raised again. He intercedes, he cleans them up, basically. That's a comfort. I hope you understand that. Hebrews 4 tells us this Since then, we have a great high priest. Who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God? Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, Jesus Christ is not sitting in heaven and turning around and looking at someone and saying, "Crystal just prayed a prayer, Father, and it's really stupid." But you know, let's just give her the benefit of the doubt, okay? He's not saying that. What is he doing? When she prays or you pray or when I pray and we don't know what to pray and we come with some little prayer, you know, Jesus sympathizes with us. Jesus knows our struggles. Jesus knows our trials and our tribulations. He knows all those things. He sympathizes with us and he's standing there as our intercessor pleading his completed work. To the Father for us. So, what does he go on and say? He says he sympathizes with our weaknesses, but because in every respect he's been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then, this, guess, this is a wonderful word. Listen to it. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen to what he says. I know my prayers are maybe stupid sometimes. I know they may be immature. I don't know what to pray sometimes. But you know what? He tells me to come on. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because he's there in mercy, pleading for us, interceding for us. And there we find grace. He continues to give us grace in our time of need. He knows who we are. He knows how we fail. He knows that we are not perfect. But he still says, come on, pray, come to me, I know. And he intercedes for us. Which leads us into the fourth thing he's doing. It's a petition that he's given us. So we have representation, an advocation, a sanctification, and a petition. Christ, his praying for his people... Even when we are negligent in our prayer life, when we are prayerless, he is still praying for us, for our spiritual needs and for our protection. How do we know that? Do a favor, do me a favor, turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, we find the high priestly prayer. In fact, in your Bible, you may have a heading that says the high priestly prayer. There in John chapter 17, I want you to look at verse 6. Notice how he's praying to the Father. This is Jesus praying for his people. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. If you know Christ, you're given to the Father, given to Christ by the Father... You know that he is praying for you because the Father gave you to Jesus. And it says, they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. They have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. You see, there's Jesus praying. It was Jesus' responsibility and duty and calling while on earth to pray for his people. We see that all through the scripture. He's praying for his people. That's what he says, I'm praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All, are, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Listen to what he says. Keep them in your name. This is protection. This is why we preach the perseverance of the saints because God has you in his hand and Jesus has prayed for you. And Jesus says, keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one while I was with them I kept them in your name which you have given me I have guarded them and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves Do do you get the picture what he's doing he is praying for his disciples, but he's also going to pray for everyone who would believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying for protection. He's praying for spiritual growth. He's praying that they would see that they are kept in the Father's hand. He is praying for his people. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil ones. See, protection. Protect them from Satan. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. Do you see what he's doing? He's praying. He's petitioning the Father, praying for his people, even though we are negligent oftentimes times in our own prayers. And he prays that they would be sanctified. So here's what he's doing, just in summary. He prays that his own would be sanctified. He prays that they would experience the benefits of his justification. He prays that his own be kept from the accusations of the devil, temptations of the devil. And as you go on and read down through all of chapter 17, you will see that he is praying there that they would receive their perfect inheritance. He says, I wish they would be here with me. That's what he prays for. So, the great thing about this intercession, folks, is this. It's permanent. It's consistent. There's no, never a waiver. It's, there's never a time when Jesus, when, when you go to him in prayer, asking him for something, there's never a time where he says, hey, um, I'll pray for you. I'll make sure I'll pray for you. And I'm saying that is because, if I put that on human terms, we use that as a little spiritual cliche all the time. When people ask us to pray for something, we say, yes, we will, we'll pray for you, and we never do. Now, that kind of stings, doesn't it? But I'm just as guilty. Hey, we'll keep you in our prayers. We go about our day, and guess what? We never prayed for them. That doesn't happen with Jesus jesus consistently perpetually permanently is praying and interceding for us so what do we learn from that okay here's what we learn where do we what do we take away let's put it this way we should have no fear then in coming to the throne of grace no fear because he never condemns you or your prayers he never does He sanctifies them and presents them to God. Think about this. When someone comes to know Christ, what are they? They're a baby, a babe in Christ. How many of y'all have babies or grandbabies? How much communication do they give to you at this point? Wyatt, how often has Vernon Wallace talked to you so far? Very little. He's two weeks old, right? Okay, think about this. Most baby Christians don't know how to pray. If God graded on a scale and said, I only accept the prayers of mature Christians, boy, a lot of people would just be left out, would they not? They'd be left there with their goo-goo-da-da, those kind of things. What Christ is saying, look, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to do that at all. I sanctify your prayers. Even if it's just a small immature prayer from a new Christian. He he then presents them to God. What we need to do is have no fear. Second thing is this. If Christ is interceding for us, we should intercede for other people. We should really be praying for them. We should pray, pray for others. We should, shoulda, coulda, woulda keep a prayer journal and write down the names of people that we are praying for because if someone comes to you in this church and they say would you pray for me and you go yes I will with our little frail little minds we're going to forget we ought to write it down and we write it down somewhere so that we can continue to pray for them so that when we come together in our devotions and I pray that you do have devotions I pray that you do get up in the morning you know, Psalm 5 says, O oh Lord, in the morning I will bring my prayers unto you that you will then open that up and you remember to pray for people during the morning times and morning hours. And you can write what you're praying for, for that person. Then the next time you see them at church, you can ask them about what you just prayed about all week to see if God answered any prayers. You should imitate Christ. He is praying for us. He's praying for, that, for protection, for sanctification advocating for us. So we should go to the throne of grace and we should advocate for others and pray the same thing. Imitate him. So I pray that you would start using a prayer journal. Next one is this, last one. We should pray continually as he is continually praying for us. Folks, that's one of the toughest things. How do you pray without ceasing? You ever really thought about that? How do you pray without ceasing and we're told to pray without ceasing basically it means this we have an attitude as we go throughout the day that we're calling upon God for every little thing because you know what prayer is prayer is nothing more than asking when you get down to it it's asking words of Jesus ask and it will be what to you You know, when they ask him how to pray, he gives them this Lord, gives them this prayer, you know. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What is that? That's asking. Thy will be done. That's asking on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. What is that? It's asking. We are asking. Forgive us our trespasses. We're asking. Prayer is asking. And so when we're praying without ceasing, we should be going through the day, asking God different things as things come up to mind, come to mind. Oh Lord, I'm, I'm asking that you bless so and so. Oh Lord, this is happening today. Would you give me grace? Oh Lord, and you're constantly, constantly going to the Father, just like Jesus is continually interceding for us. So, folks, I pray that once you see the intercession of Christ, we would say, Oh how I need to imitate Him. And that you move from prayerlessness to one who is praying, a praying child of God, and therefore imitate Him. Let me pray for you now. Father, thank You that we have Your Word. Lord, thank You that we have the Lord Jesus Christ interceding for us. And Father, thank You for the receiving... Of his sacrifice that turns away your wrath from us and, Lord, sanctifies us, redeems us, and, Father, gives us a new life. Help us, O oh Lord, to imitate your Son. And Lord, help us to pray genuinely, to intercede for other people. Help us, O oh Lord, to pray without ceasing, to continually lift up our request unto you. And Father, as we do, let us give thanksgiving that we have the opportunity through the blood of Jesus Christ to enter that throne room, to come before you, the Holy of Holies, and to present our request. Lord, let us not take it lightly. What Jesus did so we can come into your presence, make us a praying people. And I ask it in Jesus' name.